You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 722 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Sunday morning. It's probably Saturday night for most people, and still, but at this point, it's we're well into Sunday. It's very, very late as I record this, and uh, that was the plan all along. I am, uh, if you missed this on the last podcast or on my Twitter feed, I'm on, I'm sort of uh, in parts unknown. I had a family commitment on Saturday evening that they kept me out of the building for Hawks Mavericks earlier tonight, but um, uh, that was planned well before the news broke that Luka Doncic and Chris Porzingis would not be playing in the game, sort of a sidebar there that we'll obviously discuss on the podcast. So um, with all that said, my apologies for the lack of audio quality. This is not a normal setup, um, but hopefully it sounds okay, and we'll break down everything that transpired from the game on Saturday. I had to, of course, watch the game. Um, kind of funny, the only the only stuff that I saw in live real time was about the, was about the last 90 seconds of the game. Everything else I had to go back and rewatch. So Kind of a weird one in a lot of ways in this spot, but the Hawks get a win by a final score of 111 to 107, which is a nice result at the end of the day. Um, they, it took a sort of long, uh, less than ideal route to get there, but it still got still got the win for the Hawks there, and they of course won. They've now they're now 2-0 after the All-Star break, and they've actually won six of the last seven at State Farm Arena, so that's pretty impressive, especially given the fact that the Hawks have a bunch of home games coming up. Uh, might be a good sign of things to come. So, as I alluded to a second ago, the big story of the day actually was the fact that Dallas rested their two best players in the spot. My, the, Dallas did play on Friday night in Orlando, um, and even coming into the game, the Hawks had a rest advantage that definitely would have been a big factor in the game. But um, once the word broke that those guys were um, out of the lineup with injuries, you know, injury, it's kind of debatable always as to whether guys could could have played or not. Um, they were listed with actual injuries. They were not just rest, um, at least according to the official injury report. But, of course, a lot of Hawks fans, uh, I can't really blame them necessarily, were disappointed by this or um, ready to make fun of this, one, one of the two or sometimes both. Um, but either way, without taking too much into account there, um, the Hawks obviously take uh, get, got a lot of uh, – an advantage from playing against Dallas without their two best players in this spot, and the points were reflected that. Um, I know the Hawks did lose in Dallas to a Mavericks team earlier on in February that, that did not have both Luka and Porzingis in that game, um, but on the Hawks' side, they were without Cam Reddish for most of that game, and then Trey Young got hurt as well. And, you know, Dallas is not a terrible team without their two best players. They do have they still have a lot of rotation quality players. But um, the point spread ranged from Dallas being about a six-point favorite before the news broke to the Hawks actually closing as a favorite at home. So, you know, a six, seven, eight-point swing in favor of Atlanta, which makes some sense, but still um, does tell you just, you know, how much of how much, how much of the perceived value was lost there when it came to Dallas. Um, still, the Hawks had to take care of business, and for most of the game, they trailed. In fact, they did not take a, a single lead in this game until the fourth quarter. We'll start at the top, as we always do on the podcast, but the Hawks were without, by the way, DeAndre Hunter, who missed the game for personal reasons, and DeAndre Bembry, who was also out in addition to Clint Capella and Scalabissier. So, obviously, it wasn't as if the Hawks were at full strength either, because Hunter um, has started basically every game that he's been healthy for this season, and then being without him did weaken them a little bit on the wing. Um, to the start to the start of this game, the first quarter was very interesting in some ways. The Hawks trailed, um, again, as, as I said before, kind of the entire game, but that began pretty early. Dallas using a 9-0 run to go up 16-5 in the first quarter. The Hawks did climb back within three at one point, but then stretched back out for Dallas. 
to the point where they led by double figures at the end of the first quarter, 35 to 21. That was and actually ended up being the most lopsided quarter of the entire game um, on either side, which is interesting in a lot of ways. The Hawks, I felt the shot quality in watching it back was not terrible. In fact, you know, if you had just watched the game and you know, saw the quality of shot and not seen where the ball went in or not, you probably would have seen the Hawks play some pretty decent offense in the first quarter. With that said, they shot 7-28 from the floor and 1-11 of 11 from 3 in the first quarter. So that kind of tells the story of why they were down by 14 points, 21 points in the first quarter for the Hawks. They just could not make a lot of shots. Um, and, you know, that's to be expected occasionally, but uh, kind of manifested in a big way there. And that put the Hawks behind the eight ball for most of the uh, game, honestly, because of the how, just how ineffective the offense was in terms of actually putting the ball in the basket in the first quarter. The second quarter um, was much better from that standpoint. In fact, Atlanta shot 70% from the floor in the second quarter, and they had 11 assists in a single quarter, which is pretty impressive from the Hawks. Um, they scored 37 points with their best offensive quarter of the night, um, which is kind of funny considering how uh, the ball just didn't go in in the first quarter, but it's sort of a little bit of a vindication for the way that they were actually playing offense um, in that first period. Um, John Collins was the biggest factor there. He had 21 points and 7 rebounds in, the, in his first 12 minutes or so of play, and he was dominating. Um, part of that was the fact that the Hawks were just, I'm sorry, the Mavs just decided not to let Trey Young beat them in the first, in the first half, I would say. Um, they were kind of overplaying Trey in a lot of ways, trying to over, overcompensate for the way that he's been feeding Atlanta's offense. And that kind of opens things up for John Collins, who took full advantage of that, which was nice to see. And it was a lot of Cam Reddish and a lot of John Collins. Those are the two guys that played quite well in the entire first half. In fact, Reddish set a new career high for free throws made in a full game. And he did that in the first half which is kind of crazy. He made eight free throws in the first half. That was a career high for Cam. Then I thought he played quite well um, before halftime. The Hawks also used a zone defense to some effectiveness on the, on the end of the floor. I will say the overall defense was not necessarily effective on a, point, on a points per possession basis, but it was much better at times in the second, in the second quarter. They were flying around and uh, I think pretty invested in that defense and they, pretty, and they executed it pretty well for the most part. Atlanta played a 10-man rotation uh, in the first half. Of this game, and uh, by the way, they only lose. They only use eleven in the. Sorry, no, they only use ten in the whole game. Sorry, I made a uh, correction there on the fly in my notes. But yeah, Atlanta only used ten guys in this spot. They were all using the first half. Trayvon Graham played more than you would normally expect him to, but without Hunter, that made a lot of sense. And in fact, there was a two-way play that Graham had that made the rounds on Twitter as an impressive one, where he uh, poked the ball away to, to create a turnover and then got a tip in on offense for on the same sequence. And uh, Graham. Wasn't like over the moon fantastic, but certainly his best game, I thought, in the way that he's been playing for the Hawks so far. Um, and the fact that, you know, the Hawks were only down by single digits, despite the fact that Trey Young and Kevin Herter combined to shoot 415 from the floor and 1 of 7 from 3 in the first half. Uh, Herter was worse than Young. It was not Young's best half by any means, though. I thought he was pretty shaky by his standards, and Herter was like flat out bad. In the first half, um, you know, some of that's, again, that Trey was being guarded the way he was being guarded by Dallas, but it was not his best work necessarily. And the Hawks go into halftime, still down, despite the fact that they actually you know played much, much better basketball in the second quarter and uh, at least were vindicated to some extent with the way that they were playing early on. Um, we'll get into the third quarter now as we sort of transition a little bit into more favorable stuff for the Hawks. The third quarter was kind of a mess on both ends, which is uh, kind of funny. It's kind of manifested itself in the way that the uh, scoreboard looks. It was 20-19 to 19 in the third quarter. So I obviously have a stark contrast to the rest of the game when it came to a lot of offensive firepower in other periods. The Hawks did climb back within four early on in the period. Then there was an immediate run by Dallas to prompt a timeout by the Hawks with six straight points from the Mavs. Lloyd Pierce seemed to be pretty incensed after an open layup that they gave up there 
that might have been a little bit a little bit of a turning point because the defense was much better after that moment in time. The Mavs went very small in that stretch. It actually worked pretty well against the Hawks. They were switching and trapping everything um, that was effective for Dallas in that one stint. And the Hawks actually got down by as many as 13 late in the third quarter before it settled at nine at the end of the, at the end of the third. Dallas kind of gave, gave away an opportunity to put the game away, in my opinion. They did not score in the final three minutes of the third quarter after they went up by 13 points. If they kept the foot down and put the Hawks away by going up 15, 17, 19 points late uh, in that third quarter, it would have been the sort of curtains for Atlanta, but Dallas stopped scoring, and that was very favorable for the Hawks. Offensively, though, the numbers were pretty hideous for Atlanta. 8 of 25 from the floor and 1 of 9 from 3 in that period. I will say the defense was, was good on, on Atlanta's side for the most part, but offensively they just could not get anything to fall. And I actually thought it was it was worse than worse than it was in the first quarter. In the first quarter, I, thought it was, I think it was pretty clear the Hawks actually had some pretty good looks. Third quarter, less so, but they did manage to survive based on the defense. And that, that was, uh, of course, important looking ahead to the rest of the game. Um, in the fourth, the Hawks got down by 13 points early on in the fourth quarter, but then they uh, put together their biggest run of the game. They scored six, six straight points to prompt a timeout, getting back within seven. And then overall, it was a 15-2 to two run to tie the game at 92-92. Uh, a huge push there from the Hawks. And then uh, moments later, the Hawks uh, got a vintage Trey Young pass to Dwayne Devin with the left hand to get back, back within one. That was an awesome play by Trey, a great feed from him. And then on the next possession, they took the lead on a Deadman putback with about five and a half minutes to go. That was their first lead of the game. So as I said before, the first lead of the entire night was, was, was at the five and a half minute mark of the fourth quarter. Pretty wild to see that on even on paper, but it was definitely the case. I checked it twice. Pretty crazy. Um, in crunch time, the Hawks still had to execute in a big way. Um, they inter- Interestingly enough, after that timeout, when they went up by one point, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, hit a three for Dallas, and then the Dallas Mavericks got a stop. And then suddenly Dallas is up by a four-point margin at 196. And then Trey Young hit a, hit a three. Um, that was a big shot in the game. And then um, even though the Dallas scored, Trey hit another three after that, after a timeout to tie the game at 102-102. They got a stop from there. And then Deadman missed a wide-open three that would have been a huge shot for for Atlanta. That one didn't go in. And then THA got to the line again to go up by two points. So the Hawks are down two with 217 to go, but then a big another big shot by Trey Young. It was actually a four-point play chance. He had a three and was fouled. He missed the free throw in a pretty surprising moment there, but still his third three in about a two-minute and ten-second span. He had 13 points, by the way, and the fourth quarter was much, much better um, down the stretch, and the Hawks needed every bit of that to get this win. But um, with, with that three, they took the lead again. They, they got a stop from there. Trey then took a pretty bad one, honestly, sort of a heat check kind of three, um, but he missed that one, but John Collins got the rebound and was fouled. Made both free throws, and suddenly the Hawks are up by a 107-104 margin with 113 to go. Then sort of a moment you have to shrug your shoulders at. Hardwood Jr. hits a top-of-the-key three off the glass, which was pretty pretty crazy. And Hawks fans were, no, I would say, justifiably frustrated by that shot. But still, they tie the game there. Um, Trey then gets, to the, gets to, to the rim, gets a layup to retake the lead, and the Hawks never trailed again from that point forward. Um, the, ne- the next possession was great defense, I thought, by Dwayne Debin that I wanted to point out on, on Hardaway Jr. Dallas didn't run a whole lot, and that was not... Um, it was, not, it was not exactly unfortunate for the Hawks, considering um, the Mavs are usually pretty good in, the, in that kind of spot. But Tim Hardaway Jr., a lot of ISO down the stretch, and Devin did a great job on Deb, on Hardaway Jr. on that possession, forcing a miss near the rim with about 40 seconds to go. Um, Dallas didn't foul, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it was after a long, I will say this, a long official review that was, uh, there was at least one more coming in the game. But the Hawks um, did have to get one, one more stop there because Dallas... Uh, Got the ball back after that review, but then another actually wide-open miss look by Hardaway Jr. that I failed to mention 
a second ago. The Hawks um, lost him a little bit. It was still a long two that would have tied it, not gave him the lead, but um, Dallas misses there. They don't foul with about a nine-second differential between the shot clock and the game clock. Um, so the Hawks are up by two, and if they score, the game's pretty much over. Dallas doesn't foul. Trey Young gets to the rim. He's blocked by DeLon Wright. Um, it was called a goaltend on the floor, at least in real time. It was what it felt like. Um, but And John Collins actually got, got a tip-in bucket um, after the whistle, or at least as the whistle was happening. Regardless, it seems as though the Hawks were going to go up by four points. Then, then there was a massive review that, uh, long story short, they ruled the play was not goaltending, but they gave the Hawks the bucket anyway because they ruled that Collins was in a shooting motion on the putback when the whistle blew. Um, there was a, later a correction from there with, with the referee speaking to a pool reporter. At the end of the day, this is very controversial in a lot of circles outside of Atlanta. Obviously, the Hawks, I think, were uh, justifiably pleased with the way that all went down. And if you watch the play in real time, it felt like it should have been a bucket for the Hawks. So I totally understand all of that. Um, I will say, if you want to see more about this, Mark Cuban went off on Twitter, which is, of course, Cuban is the owner of the Mavericks, and he was very upset about this. He'll probably be getting fined in the very near future. But there was some there was some, some attention paid to this. Um, regardless, though, for the purposes of this podcast, at this very, very late hour, the Hawks went from up up two to eight, up four, and that was the uh, that was the ruling on the floor. So there, there we go on that. And then up four with that with that little time, Atlanta's in great shape, and they go, go ahead and secure the four point victory. So. All that to say, the Hawks executed better than the Mavs did down the stretch. That's the most important thing to discuss on this podcast. I know there's the big call at the end, but the Hawks were probably still going to win the game either way. So there you go. Um, in the fourth quarter, the Hawks had a 141 offensive rating. That is, of course, absolutely elite. They outscored the Mavs 34-21 in the fourth. They held Dallas to an 85 offensive rating in the second half of this game. 41 points after halftime for the Mavs, and a lot of that was good defense by the Hawks. Of course, the Hawks' defense has been pretty controversially bad this season, but they were, you know, really good, I thought. Obviously, it's a little bit easier to guard them without Luka and without Persingas, but still, Atlanta played very good defense after halftime. It was kind of frustrating if you watch this game in real time. Of course, I knew what happened coming into the, coming into the watch, but it was pretty uh, interesting, the fact that, you know, the Hawks just played Notably better after halftime, especially defensively, and uh, the zone was effective. They were flying around, they were invested, and they played well in this spot. So, you know, full game-wise, it was not exactly pretty in the overall sense offensively. Um, only a 108 offensive rating, which is not terrible, but not great either. And they shot 8 of 37 from 3. That is brutal. And to get, um, to have your starting backcourt shoot 1 of 14 from 3 and still win the game, um, noteworthy. Also, the Hawks missed, missed 9 free throw attempts. Um, they had... Um, I will say this, they, they took care of the ball in this game. That was actually pretty important. They did a pretty good job on the offensive glass, and they only had 10 turnovers. That was big uh, on a night when they couldn't make a lot of shots. Uh, defensively, it was pretty effective. As, as I said before, a lot of that was in the second half. The first half was pretty ugly, but the second half was notably good, and they held, um, other than Hardaway Jr. and DeLon Wright, who had both who both had good games, and a, a little bit of Seth Curry as well. The Hawks had a pretty good job in the front court. They did a good job on Kleber. They, uh, by the way, something I should have mentioned before, but Jalen Brunson got hurt in the first minute of this game. That certainly would have uh, helped Dallas, I would think, because he uh, he killed the Hawks the last time around. He's a pretty good player. But still, the Hawks did what they needed to do, took care of business, and there you go on that. Okay, after a short break, as we always do on the podcast, we'll come right back and talk about the individual stuff from this game. All right, we're back talking about the individual stuff in this on this podcast. It'll be a little bit shorter than usual, I'm sure, because it's, uh, again, quite late, but hopefully you guys understand have some patience here, and your this podcast will be up for your Sunday morning commutes or rest and relaxation or workouts or whatever you want to do, and uh, thanks for listening as always. 
Okay, to the individual stuff. Um, the bench, is, as I said before, only six guys were in uniform off the bench. Only five of them played. Damian Jones got a DMP for Atlanta. The Hawks went with Bruno Fernando as the backup center in this spot, at least the third center when you factor in Deadman and Collins. But I thought Bruno was notably better in this game. He wasn't incredible by any means, but the energy level was better for him. Six points, four rebounds, and an assist in 10 minutes. I thought he was, he was pretty decent in this spot, and uh, the Hawks needed a little bit of that to hang on in this game. Jeff Teague, you know, nothing huge, but seven points in 13 minutes. I thought he was okay. Uh, Brandon Goodwin was a little bit more aggressive than he's been in the last few games. Only played eight minutes, but was one of six from the floor and 0 of four from three. I will say this, the Hawks need to get a little bit better production than you know, 4 of 14 and 0 of 6 from 3 from, from those two point guards in Teague and Goodwin, but they were able to hold up without them in this spot, and uh, they didn't kill them necessarily. Vince Carter, same thing, didn't really do much of anything, only took one shot in 11 minutes, um, no points and a rebound. Um, the only guy on the bench that I thought was like actually a defined positive in this game was, was Travion Graham, 5 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal for Travion in 19 minutes. They just needed him defensively a lot in this spot you know Cam Reddish was a huge thing we'll talk about Cam in a minute but without Hunter they needed one more guy to defend on the uh against the forward spots and, and Graham did that he was not spectacular or anything like that he, he just brings good energy and I thought he was pretty effective off the bench still it was a starter driven game um by a lot the only guy who did not play 30 minutes was Dwayne Debin, 25 minutes for him but and a lot of that was foul trouble. He had five fouls again in this game. He's had some foul issues in his career and definitely been rearing their heads so far in his, in his Atlanta stint this time around. But other than three missed threes, he was pretty good. Eight points, 12 rebounds, two assists, two blocks for Dwayne in 25 minutes. I thought he was pretty effective, just didn't make his threes, but that's okay. He was uh, good around the rim. You know, first half, I thought it was a little bit worrisome that he was not very effective. It was kind of a bad matchup for him in some ways against Dallas. But once they've started playing the zone, I think he was, uh, you know, communicating well, and that kind of leadership style helps in that in that spot. I thought he was better after halftime. The one guy who did not play well in the, in the starting lineup was Kevin Herter, um, three points, and kind of hilariously, he was a game best plus ten. That is not indicative of the way that he played. I will say he was better than the shooting numbers look, but that's not exactly a huge uh, endorsement of his play because he was one of eleven from the floor and one of eight from three. So zero of three on th- on twos, one of eight one of eight on threes. You know he did some things well. He had six assists. He had four steals, which is a career high for Kevin. But um, offensively, it was kind of a, an adventure. It's going to happen sometimes. You're going to have bad shooting nights. But I thought in the first half he was like pretty outwardly bad. Better after better after halftime. Made some impact in some ways, but not his best work. Um, to the bigger, the three big guys who made the I would say the biggest contributions. Um, Cam Reddish, 20 points, six rebounds, three assists, and three steals in 39 minutes for Cam. Uh, he was six of ten on twos. That's a very good sign. He was eight of nine on free uh, free throw attempts. That's a very good sign as well. He was 0 of 6 on threes. A couple of uh, pretty ugly, I, I would say, regression moments when it came to um, his shooting form not looking as clean as it has in the recent past. But I thought he played very well. The shooting is what it is in this guy in this game. But he's been shooting well for a while now. So I will uh, lean on that positive stuff rather than the 0 of 6 in this game. I thought defensively he was uh, very, very good as he's been for most of the season. He did a great job in the second half um, sort of captaining that unit. And uh, good to see him playing well. Overall, um, John Collins was huge. He had 35 points to, to tie a career high, 17 rebounds. Um, he was, you know, unbelievably good from the opening moments of this game. He was the, kind of the only guy who was like legitimately outwardly good offensively the entire way. But 35 and 17 speaks for itself, but it also had two blocks and a steal to go along with two assists. 13 of 18 from the floor, 3 of 3 from 3, 6 of 9 from the free throw line. 
And honestly, if they just even fed him even more in the first half, it probably would have been a good idea. But, um, you know, still 35-17. and 17, He was the best player on the floor for the Hawks in this game um, in an overall sense. And the Hawks needed it, as you can see by the scoreboard. Um, finally, Trey Young, um, after a slow start in the first half, to be sure. I thought it was, again, not very good before halftime. Still finished with 25-10 and 10 and 6 rebounds. 13 in the fourth quarter, 10 of 12 went from the floor, 3 of 8 from 3, 2 of 3 from the free throw line. Uh, the only kind of surprise there is the free throws, only, take, only taking 3 after he's been getting the line sort of at will recently. But other than that, you know, second half he was good. Um, defensively, he had some nice moments compared to um, his normal baseline. I thought he played pretty well um, after halftime. And even then, it wasn't like he was terrible in the first half, just by his standards. They're so lofty at this point. But, you know, 25 and 10 um, feels like kind of an average or below average game for Trey Young at this point. Um, not necessarily the numbers, just the way that he played overall, but when that's not one of your best games, you're pretty good at basketball, and that's pretty obvious, but Trey Young has been great this season, and he's pretty good in this game, too. So there you go on that. Um, okay, we have covered a lot of ground on this podcast. Again, I apologize for the late hour and probably my uh, overall deliriousness, but the Hawks get a win here that was much needed. I mean, obviously it would not have been offensive to lose this game, uh, even at home, because even after the injuries, the Hawks were only like a one or two point favorite in Las Vegas. And Dallas is a well-coached team. They've been able to play well without Luka and, and KP in the past. So it wouldn't have been like a completely jarring performance if they were to lose. But I will say this, they did not play very well in this game in a lot of respects until the fourth quarter. Through three quarters, um, this podcast would have sounded different. Um, individual guys played well. I thought, obviously, Reddish and Collins played notably well um, pretty much the entire game. But there was not exactly an inspired performance until the fourth quarter, but they took care of business at the end of the game, and that's kind of all that matters in this spot. They get the uh, second straight win here, and the Hawks now are a pretty respectable 11-17 and at home. That's not fantastic, but they're also 6-24 six, six and 24 on the road. So that difference does matter, and Atlanta will be uh, at home for mo- much of the next two weeks. Their next game, though, is on the road on Monday, a very, very tough one against Philadelphia. Now, the Sixers have been pretty inconsistent this year, but Philadelphia's been dominant at home, so that's a tough matchup for the Hawks. They have played Philadelphia well in the past, including a win up there last year when Kevin Hearn had a big game. So we'll see how they fare in that spot. Um, but you know, overall, can't really ask for, it for a better start than 2-0 after the All-Star break, and we'll see what, how the Hawks fare. From this point forward, um, in terms of programming, unless something crazy happens, my next podcast will not be until after the game on Monday. I have to travel back from Parts Unknown on Sunday, so hopefully that will be uh, without a hitch. We'll be back in the saddle on Sun- on Monday evening for some live basketball watching instead of on tape. And uh, there you go on that. But uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. If you missed it this week, I had, a, I had two long conversations with Ben Ladner and Jackson Frank, one about the NBA draft, one about the uh, Hawks in general. So those are fun ones if you missed those. And uh, please tell a friend. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I really appreciate all of that. And we'll see everybody after the game on Monday evening.